welcome back everyone to episode number 220 of Stream Thought. We start off, my boss almost had a heart attack. Gotta listen and find out to figure out what happened there. And then, weddings. Oh my goodness, the chaos and anarchy that follows is a journey to behold. Mice. Computer mice. It's so weird when you're talking about a computer mouse in the plural. We talk about a couple of different the, <laughs> a couple of different mice I use for my computers. We also talk about car problems and stories, things that we've experienced with our cars that we've each had for over 10 years. So with that being said, episode number 220 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> okay now i'm recording so what happened was i sometimes forget to plug the usb cable into the usb port i accidentally sometimes plug it into the ethernet court uh, the ethernet port because my computer is that old where it still has an ethernet connection and that's why it wasn't recording right away so i'm so confused it's like it's plugged in. Why is it not recording? What is what is happening? Yeah. But uh, another thing that happened to me with my computer is that my mouse, I don't understand what's happening with it now. So you know how when you have a mouse, you click it and it clicks, right? You you know you know how much you have to press down for it to click. Well, now all of a sudden my mouse it like doesn't have that clicking capability, and so when I'm moving my mouse around, sometimes I accidentally will click something, but I won't realize it because the weight of my fingers are just enough to click it. But there's no resistance anymore, right? When you have your hand on the mouse, you can tell how much you need to press down in order for it to actually click. But for some reason now, my mouse no longer has that feature. And so using my mouse has become a lot more cumbersome than uh, it was, you know, prior to that happening. You cannot undervalue <laughs> the quality of a good mouse. Like that, that yeah. is, that is it, key right there. Same thing with a keyboard. And do you remember this mouse? I talked about it in a previous episode. I think it, it had been four years or three years ago because we were talking about mice and computers and then I was like, oh, my goodness, guess what happened? And I found this mouse in a drawer at my parents' house, and nobody was using it. And it's an Apple mouse, and these things are like 80 fucking dollars plus tax, so you may as well call it 100 right? And you had uh, loaned me the mouse. Actually, I still have it. I still use it. No, no. Are yeah, you serious? I use this for my PC. Oh, my God. Because you, you loaned this to me when I was, like, doing stuff – uh, for long periods of time on my laptop is annoying with the with the trackpad. So you gave this to me, and then shortly thereafter, I found the mouse, the Apple mouse, in my house. Now the that was back when we were yep, in the studio, yep, yep, right? Absolutely. Oh my goodness! I still use it. It's wow. a great mouse. <laughs> and the only problem is when I use this on my Apple, like it's not the same because I'm already accustomed to the way the mouse moves with Apple, where you can use your fingers to slide to the left or the right. Whereas this, I can't do that. I can't just use my fingers. I have to go down, click, hold it, move to the left and the right because there's no trackpad on this mouse like there is on the Apple mouse. Anyway, my brain works perfectly fine when this is connected to my HP laptop, but for Mac purposes, this is the mouse that I use. It's wireless. It's great, except the last couple weeks now, for whatever reason, it no longer clicks. And just like that, without even intending to, I minimized your window. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's become, like, super sensitive. And it's actually very annoying. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like that with, um, I, I think, I, I, it, was, it had to have been 30 episodes ago or something like that when I was talking about the, um, the keyboard that my brother got me. He got me both the mouse that I'm currently using right now, as well as, like, this keyboard, but all the keys were, like, sticking. And so, as I'm trying to... Because I'm, I'm a relatively fast typer or whatever, and then it just kept, like, jamming up, like, the keys were too close together. And I don't know exactly, you know, why he got it. It was cool-looking, because in, in the same way that this mouse kind of changes colors over time, uh, the keyboard did the same thing, but the keys sucked, and it's like... 
uh, you don't realize how much of a pain it is until you actually have to do something that really requires you to be on 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 the ball when it comes to something efficient. I know it's annoying. It's like uh, similar to when I'm driving my car and I need to wipe my windshield, or maybe if it's raining and it like gets all fucked up, and it's no matter what I do, I can never have a clean execution when it comes to windshield wipers. There's always like this streak that happens. And on top of that, I don't understand why I wash my car and then I'll take Windex to the inside of the windshield, yet still you see fingerprints and it's dirty and gross. And so sometimes I feel like I'm just going to die when I try and clean my windshield while I'm driving because... It just gets really – it gets smeared, and you can't you can't see for, like, a good 30 seconds. And you're, well, I hope I don't hit somebody right now. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> is – okay, so I do have to ask, uh, is is a new car at some point in, in the horizon – are you super attached to your car as it currently no, is? I'm not attached to my car. Is... I always think to myself – lately that it's only a matter of time until it dies i give it between the next two to five years as i'm thinking is when it either dies or there's a major repair needed that's not worth the money honestly i don't even want to spend i don't want to spend any money towards this car again i've never gotten screwed over with this car in terms of uh having to uh spend money on stuff i wouldn't call it screwed over because i bought it from carmax and it had forty-seven thousand miles on it and i freaking i still love the car i still love the car it's a 2004 model i bought it in 2010 so i know what you're thinking it's six years old it's not it's seven because the models are actually always one year before they actually say what the model number is so anyway, seven-year-old car, 47, 48,000 miles on it. I've gotten my use out of it. It's been extremely practical. It fits into smaller parking spaces. The fuel economy is incredible. It's manual transmission. It's got a sunroof. It plays CDs. The radio works. Like Everything's awesome, and any money that I had to spend on it, any large sums of money, have been, to, have been inevitable. It's been inevitable, right? Buying new tires, buying new brakes. Unfortunately, I've dropped you know, four or five years ago, I don't know how much, like fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars on like a new transmission or clutch or and plus something else. It may as well have been a million. It's like fuck. It's a huge financial hit on the car. Right. And then this last year I had like a whole slew of little things that I had to fix because the car I could tell it was like it was feeling it felt fucked up. And I'm like, is this engine about to break down? And then I had to spend, you know, I don't freaking know. I can't remember, $500, $1,500. I don't know. I'm fucking done spending money on that car. So if there's a, a repair that comes up that's like $500 or more, I'm probably just going to choose not to repair it and probably buy a scooter. Because you can get a scooter relatively cheap, cheap being, you know, $2,500, really? or something. You're going to opt for Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I really don't need the car, the, the space of the car. If I really need a, the space of a car, I can just rent one for the day. But it's usually just me and my backpack rolling around. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I didn't even – wow. I didn't even realize that that was something on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, I I have to ask, do you do you have a nickname for your car? Do, have you Did you name your car at all? I've never oh. named my car – I think when I think about it, the name I come up with is Lucy, but I don't have a name for my car. I thought about that. You know, when I think about the name of the car, I think I thought about it once or twice, you know, seven or eight years ago. It was a passing thought, and I haven't thought about it again. And, I mean, that was uh, – I think I've mentioned this in a couple of episodes. Old old mm-hmm. Bessie has been as reliable as anything else, and it's more more or less because – this car, my car anyway, survived some of the, the harshest conditions that after a certain period of time, it's like, you deserve a name. Like, you you have earned your stripes. I am I am oh, going Bessie. to respect that. And you are now, well, and I am, <laughs> you're just going to chug along 210,000 miles right now. 
still going strong. I, uh, I, but I don't have it now. I'm, now that I'm in New Jersey, I don't have it with me. So she's taking a, uh, she's taking a break, taking a rest. She, she, she's, <laughs> she's taking a rest. My, although, okay. So my mother listens to this podcast. So I don't know if I can say what I'm about to say. Uh, so I'm actually not going to say it. Uh, <laughs> he does drive. He does. He does drive. He does drive the car around. And uh, and old Bessie is still in action. So you know, it's it's not going to. Well, when you have a, a reliable car that's been on so many adventures with you that you've spent hours inside this car and then you start to notice the cosmetic imperfections and it takes on this persona similar to a dog with gray gray whiskers and you think man yeah we've been together we've been together for quite some time we've, i remember back in the day been, when we first met some times <laughs> Some 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 ups yeah. and downs, some hill some hills and valleys. What are yeah. some of your? Do you have oh, any favorite goodness. memories that you have with your car? Like one of mine, for example, is uh, I remember one time I went to this party downtown Chicago, and I drove to my friend's apartment and parked my car like two blocks away from his place, and I go to the party, and then for some reason my phone died. And I don't know why I didn't just drive home. I knew how to get home because I used to live in that neighborhood. But for some reason, oh, you know why? Because I was drinking. That's why. That's why I didn't drive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, why didn't I? What? Like, I wanted to, I wanted to go home, I think. And I ended up sleeping in my car. I just remember, like, the most important thing to me at the time was having a phone that worked for some reason. And I was, like, locked out of my friend's apartment. I don't know what the case was, but I was in my car charging my phone. It was dead. And it was taking forever, dude. It was taking forever. And in that moment is when I realized that the cigarette adapter, uh, the amount required to charge is different than what it's like capable of doing like so for example you know if it's 50 percent charge you have it plugged in ultimately it's going to run out even though it's plugged in so it's just taking forever to turn on sometimes when i that's why i try not to plug it into my computer to charge when i just plug it into the wall it charges relatively fast but that was that whole thing was just for one of my favorite memories in my car I would say, okay, so I know this is kind of cliche, and I think we might have talked about this on a podcast. Uh, one, of, one of the favorite moments that I had was with you in the car when it turned over to 200,000 miles. I, I would say the other favorite memories that I have is just, okay, so actually, now that I think about it, the number of times that I traveled to and from Minnesota that there was never any issue that I ever had with that car. And uh, I will say, I've never shared this before. Uh, I was coming back, and I was entering into downtown Minneapolis, driving in, and it was was pitch black out. It was, like, 10 o'clock at night, and a torrential downpour just hit everything. And uh, the way that Minneapolis kind of off-ramps and stuff like that is that there's, like, they have the concrete little bump that goes, you know, upward trajectory kind of thing. I didn't see that as I was trying to scoot over. Old Bessie jumped one of those things and was, like, in the air for maybe one second and just landed and kept going. And it, nothing, like, nothing broke and it just, it kept chugging along. And I was like, wow, that was so fucking fortunate because... The ground was slippery. I couldn't see anything. I mean, I, I, you know, my windshield wipers were on high, just going back, forth, back, forth. And the road was just pitch black. There were no cars in front of me, no cars behind me. So there was no lights around. And then, you know, at the outskirts of Minneapolis, there's no, there's no lights that illuminate the, the ground before you. And so I had to, in the last moment, just sw- uh, shift over. And I was, I was just like, you know, 500 feet too late and ended up. J- jumping that and old old Bessie old Bessie kept 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 chugging oh along, man. So I that's I think that's when I fell in love and I said, 
my goodness, you have been so kind to me. You, like, I've never, I've never gotten into a, a, a wreck or a bump or a, scraped anything before. Uh, and when I have, it's, there's never been a problem. I, um, so it's, like four or five years ago, I had, actually, it was exact, it was almost, I don't know, the, to the day, but it was this season. It was like five years ago. In 2016, like in the fall or like right when it started to snow, like the first or second snowfall of the season, I was driving and I was going slow around that little corner by, uh, dude, I'm like, oh, 53. Dude, sometimes it takes me a second to remember the names of the streets in Glen Ellen. I'm like, where? What the fuck is this name again? Oh, yeah. So 53. Anyway, on that little stoplight that goes through Baker Hill, I'm driving and I'm turning the wheel, but my car is so light to begin with that any bit of moisture it it slides pretty easily and uh i'm turning the wheel and i slid into the curb and i hit the curb really hard i i jumped over the curb and i i look at my wheel and the uh like the wheel well is dented inward and just pressing a little bit against my tire luckily i haven't had to get that fixed yet because my mechanic was like oh yeah you um you don't need to fix this until like we replace the tires or something like that i don't know so the tires have been rotated but i mean that was like five years ago that's another reason why i have my car in my mind is because it's about time to get new tires one of them definitely can be replaced the other i can last a little bit longer luckily it doesn't rain really ever in la but it will be soon because it'll it'll start raining a little bit here and there it'll become more frequent in the winter and fall but it's like, shit. Luckily, though, it, it didn't have to Dude, be replaced. Another thing gosh. that happened to me was, like, in when I still lived in Indianapolis, so 10 years ago, I'm driving, it's raining a little bit, and I hear this loud, like, just this really loud banging sound, like a cracking sound. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I look, and I see on my windshield, like, a rock or something had gotten kicked by a, by the truck that was in front of me. And made this tiny little crack on my windshield. And I'm like, well, fucking A. Oh, Let's just see how God. long it takes until this thing spider webs. Bro, it has not changed size in over 10 years. Oh, man. Gotta, gotta love that reliability. The old industrial complex. I feel like yeah. I have the Nokia phone of cars. But it's not a brick. It can easily be damaged. <laughs> yes. But uh, there's just small instances where it hasn't taken on any serious damage. I love that. And uh, I, I don't know about you, uh, for me, when uh, when it comes to driving cars that are not your own, I don't know how often you've done that. I did that when I, uh, back in November, when I drove cross-country, cross I had rented a car. It's an adventure. It's like, okay, let's do this. This is not my car, but I'm going to do my best. Let's see what their radio presets are at. That's interesting. This gum looks like it's been sitting here for seven years. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I enjoy driving other people's cars. Adjusting the seat, adjusting the mirrors. Depending on whose car it is, I either will or will not put the mirrors back the way I found them. Yes. It's all about the stakes. It's all about the stakes of actually driving somebody else's car. And that kind of uh, – are, 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 we, are we open to a, a segue that I almost had to – I know we had uh, chatted a couple of days ago or uh, yesterday actually – uh, about, uh, for like two hours and stuff like that. And I was, I was talking to you about Joe, uh, Father Joe's, um, like heart condition, having to go in for surgery and stuff like that, kind of spontaneously. And his, uh, his main artery was clogged 99.9% and, and he didn't know that ahead of time. And so originally because, uh, his partner, Daryl works at, uh, the, uh, like a school in Patterson. So, like 45 minutes away uh and he rotates schools and stuff like that he's he's kind of like a high level admin person wasn't sure if he'd be able to get the day off and so joe had kind of tapped me to be the emergency driver so i would have driven his car to the hospital in hoboken and uh i was like oh for crying out loud because joe is somebody who uh he I think the only person that he feels comfortable driving him is his partner and anybody else who's driving him. Cause I've done that a couple of times. Uh, his sister, Nancy has done that a couple of times and he's like, 
He's like the mother in the passenger seat, gripping the handles for dear life, white knuckling it, just like, <sighs> you know, you know, backseat driver type thing. And I was thinking to myself, oh man, this is like I, you know, I want to be there for him, and I, I would be more than happy to. But bro, I, I just getting there because he would drive there, but then I would be driving him back after he had had the operation and would probably be on some meds and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, oh, this is gonna be super uncomfortable. Uh, and so luckily Daryl was able to get the, the day off. And so I didn't have to do it, but at the same time, you know, after he got back and it was super fortunate too. kind of long story short, uh, he went in because of the heart problem. Doctor went in, uh, looked, looked at his, his arteries and was like, I don't know how you're still alive right now. 99.9% .9 clogged. Like that is a score that is not good. Most people strive for a hundred percent, right? Like <laughs> yes. your entire career of being alive when you are in school, when you're at university, when you're taking a test to be a police officer, right? Any type of test, you want the highest score possible. This is a test where you want 0% or 15, right? You want the lowest possible score. And the crazy thing is that 99.9% .9%, he didn't even try to get that. And that's just like the default yeah, yeah. setting. <laughs> that is the default setting that a few rare people have been able to i guess you can say i don't know achieve is the wrong is that's not like, the right word that's like, yeah. but <laughs> that's like harvard law yeah. school type stuff right there like the the, the lsat or something like that you want to be in the top 99.9 percent .9%. but bro i i i will just vent about this a little bit <laughs> it's like that was so i mean you know he, he is somebody who, and I think we've talked about this, you know, multiple times, he is a man of perpetual motion. Just constantly, he has to be doing stuff over and over. And everyone around him, literally everyone around him has been saying, you gotta, you gotta chill out. You gotta, I mean, the fact that I, I think I mentioned he starts his day at around five thirty six o'clock in the morning and ends it at 10 or 11 at night every single day. And there is not a single time of rest or break and stuff like that. And so... I, uh, I have been, I, I, I don't want to credit myself, but I have certainly been a point of influence in telling him for some of the weddings that we've had this past, these past couple of days, cool it, chill out, let, let me take care of it, let Zachary take care of it, you can't be doing this, because he wanted to go back to doing a wedding, uh, two right, days after this super intensive surgery, and I, I was like, what, what are you thinking? And yeah, so I don't know. Th thank God that he, he is at his core, a man of reason, but at the same time, man, but he was back by Sunday. He ended up doing two weddings on Sunday <laughs> and I, just like, so what, what is the procedure moving forward? What do the doctors attribute that 99.9% .9 blockage? Obviously it is the workload that he takes on. But how much of it is, I guess you could say, relegated towards self-imposed stress or poor dietary habits or poor exercise? Like, right? Like, where? What does the algorithm look like? So it's it's actually kind of interesting because – so it it would primarily be, you know, stress-oriented – and then diet would be another thing because at these weddings, bro, the amount of food that is so not healthy for you during that reception hour, uh, the cocktail hour, is it, it, it is kind of tough to resist. And Joe Joe has kind of certain preferences. He'll only stay for maybe fifteen minutes, but he'll that'll be his dinner. And some of it is not exactly the healthiest. He'll sometimes do six weddings in three. In three days, or maybe even I'm. Yes, what is his yeah. record for that? For the typical Friday, Saturday, Sunday wedding, what it like nine? Has he done nine weddings in three days? Twelve? Has he done twelve? I think set. No, no. Set, I think seven is is the max. Uh, like two Friday, three Saturday, two Sunday. Uh, I think that that so so seven 
is I, th- I think it's record. And they've all got to be in close, relatively close proximity to one another, at least for the day. If you're, if he's only going to be there for 15 minutes, but maybe that's another no, thing, the driving. Sometimes, sometimes it's not. It's, and yeah, no, it, it absolutely is the driving. And, uh, but, but that's the thing is that because he's in perpetual motion, uh, I think that's what kind of kept him alive. He's relatively, um, cardio wise, pretty fit for a person his age it's that stress the stress is the biggest is the biggest component i mean obviously we've had enough conversation where when we're stressed out we realize we're stressed out but him when he's stressed out does what's his persona like does he just think it does he get excited about being stressed out like what is you, you know like how does he navigate the workload so uh uh, let me let me preface this by saying I love Joe and I respect Joe and none of this is said in ill will or no, anything of course like that. not. Right? Yeah. Uh, so a prime example of this was so he, like I mentioned, he had two weddings on Sunday and one of them, and this is the first time I had experienced this. It was an actual church wedding because normally we do weddings at venues and because we're franciscans we can do weddings outside the church and so that's why people come to us i think i've mentioned before uh this actually is an actual statistic uh father joe is the number one officiant in new jersey on wedding wire he is he is number one i have his his wedding wire people's choice from 2017 yes, I right here seeing that like, when i was visiting and so every every year he'll get an award five stars, and he like he's still perfect five for five stars. The JD and Power and Associates of he's the uh, fucking JD wedding Power <laughs> of weddings of weddings five for five every, and he has done over five hundred weddings and has never got anything lower than a five star. And so like for him, the pressure is on to maintain that reputation. And so bring in somebody like myself, bring somebody in like Brother Zachary. Uh, his his concern ends up being, are we going to ruin that reputation? Because uh, he has built this solely by himself. It is interesting because Joe has, um, I think, over the course of his 500 weddings, he has had maybe two couples come to him and say uh, they were disappointed. Not from Joe, but because he passed it off to somebody else. And they did, did uh, an adequate job. They didn't do a great job, right? And for Joe, being adequate is not good enough. There is absolutely nothing other than greatness. It is the absolute with Father Joe, and he wants it to be perfect. And I can attest, I've met Father Joe. I've talked to Father Joe on the phone. We've had many great conversations. This guy is the best. He is the best of the best. And you say number one in New Jersey, number one in the entire freaking tri-state area. I would agree. He expects there to be greatness and to to my own personal credit not to, not to humble brag at all i have not had a single wedding where i have not had the couple contact me afterward and say that was the most amazing thing people were talking about you and then after during the cocktail hour people come up and say that is so wonderful and so unique but it is father joe's format it is the way that he structures the wedding it is it is his baby and his creation I'm I'm very good at following instructions when it comes to kind of a rubric and understanding the outline of the way that it should be. Be casual, be friendly, have a smile on your face, make it lighthearted, make people laugh, make, like, allow people to to clap for the groom and the bride when they come in. You know, like simple things like that. And it really, I mean, that's kind of the special sauce when it comes to making a really memorable wedding. And I can't count the number of people who have come up to me over the over um I, <laughs> it feels kind of insignificant uh, to Joe's 500 I've done I've done maybe uh, over a dozen I I don't want to say quite as many as two dozen so yeah min- minimal but uh you're working up your numbers though bro everyone's got to start at zero exactly and the fact that he's had faith in me to be able to do this is wonderful so. When there kind of becomes a, a wrench thrown into the standard formula that, that I have been getting used to and that I'm like, oh, this people are really loving this. And so when you find things that people really love, you kind of dig into that and you're able to embrace that more and actually be kind of a, a, a more a casual uh, observer. Like it doesn't become so much of a, a chore and it, it's... 
an awesome experience. So when we, this is the first time, and Joe, Father Joe said that he has only had, I think he's only had like half a dozen weddings and churches before. And so we went to the church that we normally do our, our like public mass in, which is once a month. And, uh, I totally screwed the pooch in forgetting it was, it was not totally screwed the pooch. Um, but I didn't remember certain things that Joe knew were very important to him. And if there was anybody else from the PCC watching would probably notice and stuff like that. And so the the main thing and this was like the the his his seminal critique he had i think he probably had like five or six different things that he's like you should have done this that or the other thing i'm really you know i you should know better what's his thing this is bad this is this is worse this is how you fucked it all up this is also really bad and this is not as bad but still bad okay was there anything that i did good <laughs> You know, now that you mention it, he actually didn't say that I did anything good. Now that now that I'm thinking about it, um, no, it, it is it is more it is more poisonous than that. He said you should know better. That you told me yesterday when we were talking, or the other day, you agreed with that sentiment. You said that you agreed. And I was going to ask you, was it something you'd done before and you just didn't do it? Or, like, how does it? How does the wedding work? Are there certain features that are a la carte and you've just never done this particular one? Like, walk me through this. Normally, what, what I have is I'll have, like, a binder. And the binder is basically word for word. So I don't – for me, when it comes to this, I, uh, I, I'm getting over my kind of trepidation. I'm, I'm able to be a little more spontaneous when it comes to add, add God, you still got to refer to the playbook. You can't exactly. be extemporaneous exactly, as much as you'd exactly like to be. That's exactly what it is. It's referring to the playbook. And so, you know, you normally have a playbook here. So Joe, Joe was running this wedding on Sunday. So it was, it was father Joe, myself and brother Zachary who were there. And, uh, we didn't really get, uh, I'm not going to put this on him, but we didn't get, uh, precise instructions as to certain things that we needed to do, but there were certain things that he told me that had I had a sticky note or something like that, uh, when whenever there's like an ad lib and stuff like that, the main thing was before the gospel is is read, uh, it is in Catholic tradition, it is uh, required that you say the Lord be with you, and everyone says and with your spirit and. I forgot to do that because it was not written in my playbook. And so that was that was the seminal point for me. And if if I had and this was when I talked to him on on Monday the day after the wedding, I was like um I'm, you know, I I ran out of sticky notes and he's like, "Well, that's not really an excuse." And I said, like, "No, I know I know it's not it's not an excuse. I I'm I'm just saying, uh, do you have some sticky notes?" So in the future, because he told me that uh, I think he told me that actually twice, but then you get in the moment of it where Father Joe is running the wedding, and then suddenly it's like you don't you don't have your playbook in front of you, so you're you're trying to recall from memory what's coming next, and then you're like, and now the reading of the gospel, and so for me, I'm just like trying to get through it, and I look down at my book, and there's nothing, and I totally forget to say it and there were a there are there are a couple other things too like at the very beginning too um uh something that he wanted to do was was uh incense you know you know the um the you know the the swingy the swingy incense thing yeah the uh aladdin lamp on chains exactly yeah <laughs> yeah he was you guys are rocking that i think uh at the service when i was visiting <laughs> so and so the the charcoal was lit, the incense hadn't been put in yet, but neither Zachary nor myself remembered that, uh, yeah, that we needed to do that. So you guys lit the charcoal, but you didn't put the incense on? And, and then we didn't take it off of the, the, hanging, the hanging pedestal, and so it was just there. Um, so it was like... It's just sitting there stinking up the room. <laughs> charcoal does not smell that bad. It is not that permeable. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was it was like little stuff like that where... Uh, and, then, and then the thing that Father Joe got upset about 
Brother Zachary with is that he didn't play upbeat enough music, which I didn't hear him tell Zachary that there was anything, you know, like, in regards to the music. He was just playing traditional church music, you know, like something you would hear in a typical Sunday service. It was, you know, it wasn't like, it was like, right, exactly. I know what you're talking about. Sets the mood. Yeah, and so, yeah, Father Joe was a little upset at Zachary as well. He said he was more disappointed in Zachary, but he was shocked that I was not at the top of my game. And so, yeah, that was... That was one of those things, man, where... They didn't experience a fuck-up, right? Everything's still great for them. They loved it, right? They didn't notice? There were no... Nobody who noticed. Um, nobody who noticed. Uh, but Joe was upset because no one came up to say to him, this was the best wedding that I ever went to. And that, I think... He gets that every single time. And I've gotten that every single time, too. At least once or twice. So... Yeah, I think he was a little bit hurt. Funny, funny by the way, because uh, so that wedding that wedding was on Sunday, and then I ended up going to. So he equated that with you screwing up, even though they didn't know. But because no one said that to him, that must it, be it, the reason. Uh, for me, it was one of those things where it seemed like he felt like he lost control um, of both Zachary and myself, and we we kind of went off the rails in in just like what he believed were key moments in the service and that that kind of disrupted the perfection that he was hoping for. And, uh, on the car ride, I was like, you know, I, as I was, you know, doing my emails and stuff like that, I had a, uh, Amazon prime video playing in the background, happened to be the omen. I'd never seen the omen. Before. You're watching the original or it the was, one from the, yeah, like the was, mid 2000s, like 2007 one. It wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, not, it's still a great one. one. Yeah. With yeah, Liv Schreiber. Yeah, with Liv Schreiber. Yep. That Damien, He's a little rambunctious little boy. Dude. So, so <laughs> it's on, it's on Amazon prime. And so like the beauty of Amazon prime is that they have like the list of like who the actors are, but then they also, Oh, they I love the trivia. The trivia, trivia is great. And one of them was, was talking yeah. about the kid who played Damien and they're like, they didn't tell him that he was possessed by the, by Satan, like that he was the devil incarnate. They just said, put on your Damien face because they thought that he wouldn't understand what they were saying because he was only what like seven six seven years old or something like that Less, uh, young he's got to be younger than yeah, four he, or five he, I, think he was he like was, five I mean he was he was riding riding a tricycle so old enough to do that and the, it was yeah. one of those and, and kill well, people and, and, but they're like <laughs> put on put on your damien face and they're like we don't want to confuse him with like trying to get into demonic possession and stuff like that so <laughs> uh, they just said put on your damien face and that was good enough and that that's when he looked like super evil and uh it was yeah so i tell joe on the car ride to the rehearsal that oh by the way i just I just finished watching The Omen right when you came down. He's like, what are you doing watching The Omen? How, like, what, what, what? Seriously? You're a priest watching The Omen. Come on, man. And then, of course, in typical Father Joe fashion, um, when we get to, when we get to the wedding, everyone comes together and uh, everyone's lined up and stuff. And he's, he's making some sort of reference to, to, to the holiness of this and that everyone, you know, should should be in the right spiritual mind. It's like, unlike Father Ricks, who just got finished watching The Omen. <laughs> he threw you under the bus. And then, and then he does it again. He does it a second time. It's like, you know, uh, we all make mistakes, like Father Ricks watching The Omen. <laughs> like, a second time. And then, <laughs> and funny. then, one final time where he's like, yeah, don't don't forget to, that this is a spiritual and holy experience. Uh, something that Father Ricks would, lo- would would know after watching The Omen. And I'm like, okay, yeah, great. Comedy comes in three. Blah blah blah. Funny. You're you're absolutely hilarious, man. Uh, I, that I, is I told funny. I told him after it's like, yeah, that was that was great. You know, you're you're just a master of comedy. Mm. What can I say? So Father Joe has never seen any exorcisms or been a part of one, but has he experienced any paranormal activity of any sort or anything that I'd find really, really in? And that's, I, I find all of this interesting, but I'm into that type of stuff. I'm into hearing about people's experiences. When so here's the difference, and this is something, and part of the reason I, I brought up uh, Bishop Cass and, and Father Joe is because I talked with them a couple of times about exorcism and demonic possession. 
they both like fully and truly believe that it's happened. Um, Bishop Cass said that yes, he has performed an exorcism. Father Joe has not, but he does believe that demonic possession exists. And so he said there is a uh, there is a protocol to um, expel the demon from the individual, and that and that there is like he's got he's got materials and the, the very you know both both the holy water as well as um some of the other traditional catholic ritual ritualistic items to actually do that so i don't know man i mean is it something that he would get really excited to do like is that something he would love to roll his sleeves up and get under his yep, uh, belt totally yeah he's, he's wanted it he's real a, bad he, he's waiting for the call like a freaking well, Ghostbuster, he's wanting that bell okay, to go off. No, now that you mention it, now that you mention it, there is a story. There was one wedding that he had a couple of years ago, and he chose to deviate from the first miracle of Jesus of, of turning water into wine at the at the wedding of Cana uh, to the expelling of demons, and he said. Jesus has done many miracles, but one of the most powerful and magnificent miracles that he did was casting out of demons. And then suddenly, as he recounts it, heard a gasp from everyone who was in the in, in attendance, like sitting in all the pews. And Father Joe turns his face and sees in the bridal party, one of the bridesmaids had passed out and fallen over one of the, like the, like little ledge or whatever. She had just she had lost consciousness and just fell down out of the blue. It wasn't it wasn't a super warm day. It wasn't like there was a heat stroke or anything like that. She just collapsed. And Father Joe uh, is in firm belief that because he said that, he had cast out a demon and that that had been the result of it. And uh, and so ever since then, he has never he has never repeated that one again. He goes back to his water to wine one. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, he's <laughs> like genuinely. You, I like how you. No, it's just your choice in words. Deviate. He deviated from the game plan. <laughs> he went straight to the good stuff. Right. Skipped the prere prerequisite. You know, skipped the kitty stuff. Switched it, he switched went it up. Straight to the PG thirteen rated he tried, R. He tried something new. That's yeah, funny. he he went straight to R. Yeah. Okay, don't do that next time. And Got so, it. and so, actually, now, now that I, now that we're actually talking about this, he he does believe that he did cast out a demon at that point. When did he realize that? In the moment, or was it something he thought about? It was afterward? in the moment because that's the first time that he had switched out from water to wine, and he's never had a, a bridesmaid's like pass out in the way that this one did. Of just utter. What did the bridesmaid say when she came? When she became conscious again? Oh, I didn't. I didn't get that information. Oh, we got to get that information. Do you? Do you think that he actually cast out a demon? I was not there. Wow, so. that's a that's a cop out. It's like one of those things. Did it actually happen, or did it only happen because you wanted it to happen? Right? Like, are you looking for an opportunity to validate? And with anything, right? Not specifically this instance, but like, did you really see a UFO through this pass through the sky, or was it a shooting star? Right? Did you really see water canals on Mars, or you were looking for life on Mars, and the motherfucker was looking at his own veins in his eyeballs? Yeah. Right? I can't remember what the scientist's name was. So it's one of those where, I mean, I believe that stuff is real. I believe that happens, absolutely. But to just be like, oh, do you think it's true? It's like, well, sure. Okay, sure. Yeah. I don't. And that's. Wasn't there, don't have any you know, background or experience really with that. So if he thinks it's true, I'm not going to doubt him. No. And I, I believe that. So I don't know. I, I still, I don't think that I've come to a point right now where I believe that that was a actual spiritual encounter of casting out. Like as, I, I believe that Joe believes it. Father Joe believes it. I struggle because, I, you know... I believe that you believe that Father Joe... <laughs> oh, my God. Just so we're on the same page. <laughs> blessed, blessed are those who, uh, who who believe without seeing. For that, for that is the gift of faith. Um, I, am, I am unfortunately uh, burdened by uh, this egomaniacal intellectualism that 
kind of always has an explanation for everything and that becomes a challenge because you know even even with stuff like the literal conversion of both the body and blood of christ into the literal blood of christ I, i'm like it's super not kosher for me to say this but yeah it's like it doesn't i mean i believe that there's a a, a manifest transformation in the prayer that's said over it but it doesn't it doesn't change substance. It doesn't change from wine to literal blood. Otherwise, that, you know, would make me a vampire, you know, right. drinking that. I was thinking about this earlier because there's another book that I'm reading. Uh, I know you're almost near the end of Atlas Shrugged. Whoa, so when you finish that wow. up, I'll give you this okay. other book. <laughs> I, I see. I see where I, okay. All right. Cool, man. Whatever. But I'm reading, I'm in those other book. Anyway, it's similar. I mean, I, I, uh, I just want to tell people straight up, like, you are wrong if you actually believe there is a location that is, this is heaven, this is hell, this is burning, this is, like, wake the fuck up. That is not, none of this means anything that you think it means. These are all parables. Yeah, yeah. Right? In my opinion, I guess, because that's really all I can say, you can never exactly. prove any of this stuff, is that it's a, it's a state of mind. Heaven and hell is a state of mind. But anyway, to just to to go off of what you were saying, I understand you. It's like alchemy, right? When people are like, How do you turn how do you turn nothing into gold? It's not about actually turning nothing into physical gold. It is spiritual and intellectual enlightenment. Okay, but how do we turn into gold? You're not ready for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is totally true. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when it comes down to it, as long as I'm able to kind of give some sort of comfort and solace, because cause, um, it was yesterday, actually, uh, part of the reason why I wasn't really in a mood to record is I ended up going over to one of Joe's neighbor's houses, and he had this, like... Um, eye thing going on with his like retina being detached or something like that like super serious where he you know they, they got to figure out if he's going to be blind or not and uh anointing him with the the holy oils anointing him oils of the sick and i was like this is this is such a powerful experience and it means a lot to him and doing that made it mean a lot more to me because I hadn't done that before. And that was something that Father Joe had said, you know, just spur of the moment, because he, he was not feeling up to being able to go over. He said, oh, like, I didn't know any of this before. And, oh, just go over and anoint him. And, and here's here's the book, uh, the book of healing for the sick. And it's like, wait, what? Really? Um, okay. <laughs> And this is a person who I'd never met. This, is, this is a person who I'd never met before either. And so it was one of those experiences where... Father Joe is sending over one of his apostles. Yeah, right. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it has more meaning after you actually experience something like that. So I know, you know, this is a, a audio podcast. Um, but I want to say that Father Joe... Uh, decided to make me a thing, a little pamphlet booklet that, uh, like, chronologized my ministry with him. Very cool. Look at that. It's neat because you can t – it looks like uh, – it's not like this book that you that you print photos and you tape it in. It's like the pages are the it, actual photos. Yeah. It almost looks like a publication. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's like some some really great images there, and that's awesome. I was like, that is just so so thoughtful of him. Uh, what was super depressing though is he had it from the time that I graduated seminary in 2013 all the way up into 2021, and I was like, oh dear God, what has happened to my face? Like what like what have I become? I'm I look like a like. I can I can watch my uh, decrepitation over time, and I just <laughs> I'm like, dude, I was so young and youthful. I had no beard. I wore glasses, and now here I am, this scraggly old old minister, thirty three years old and grizzled, 
and starting to get white hairs and stuff like that. Uh, it's just like, when are you uh, getting your next haircut? <laughs> and it doesn't look bad, but I'm letting you know it's starting to take shape of what I. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just... <laughs> Everything was going so great, and I just start ripping on Rick's for his hair. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. By the way, your haircut looks like it's starting to suck. <laughs> it looks fine. Yes, yes, mother. Yes, mother. Absolutely. <laughs> you brought it up with the picture <laughs> that book. That was not the point of me bringing that up. I was just saying that I looked like I was getting older. Person right now. You were talking about a clean face. You were talking about glasses. I just hopped on the train. The last thing that I will say is, uh, I, I've never had this experience before. You you don't take Uber too often, do you? You're you you normally. Drive. I never take it. You ne- you never take it. I never use it. And I personally, me, I hate Uber. Like I hate taking Uber just because. I would rather not be in a car with a stranger. I, I'm fine with it, but it's it's super just... Dude, I saw this thing on Instagram on someone's story. One of my friend's stories, they reposted a a, a uh, you know a, a post. That's why it's called reposting. <laughs> Somebody else's page. And and it was like the, the photo of the Uber driver. And in the caption, it had said, you know, do not – this person's in Santa Barbara. Do not get in this person's car. Here's why. Uh, you know, they wouldn't let me roll down the windows. Everything was, like, totally locked. They were pretending to like they were lost, and they fixed their rearview mirror, and they were, they just kept staring at me. And I had to, like, text and call my friends, call 911, like, get me out of the situation. I felt super uncomfortable. And there were a few other people that were commenting, like, yo, I've seen this guy. He's super fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I actually have never had like a super bad Uber experience. The worst one was when I was in Minneapolis and going back from the airport to um, Brooks and Angie's house when I was staying there, and uh, he he was just super racist and kind of super offensive, and that was the worst experience that I ever had. No no one ever really treated me poorly or anything like that i still i still have a perfect five-star rating so i'm i'm very happy about that uh what was interesting though is but he's one of those guys where like you just where you don't even know the person and all of a sudden they're just firing off every single belief that they have and you're like that's whoa what it was. i've known you for 30 seconds and all you're already firing on all six cylinders in the direction of negativity and pessimism and hate like wait, wait, wait. what uh, we're, we're not friends right now you like this is this is not how this is supposed to work yeah just drive just drive driving does not require and, you and so speak. and so on a lighter note uh after that that uh, chaotic sunday wedding at the church I had another wedding that I had to go to New York City, and so Zachary accompanied me. And I, first of all, totally forgot how the New York City subway system worked. And I was so glad that he was with me because I'm like, oh, fuck, the F train. Oh, okay, we got to get to the C. We got to get, you know, like, transfer. Oh, no, you know, it's the the F, not the E. You got to, you know. Oh, wait, wrong entrance. We need to go back up the steps, cross the street, go down the steps, go down, come back up. Pick our butts, and then we're, we'll be yes. on our way. Exactly. <laughs> and so he got he got me through that. Otherwise, I would have been stressed the hell out. I would have been so like disoriented and stuff like that. Uh, and we had gotten there like two and a half hours early too, because we had left right after. It was a, a one o'clock wedding that we had at the church, and then going to New York City, it was going to be a, a six thirty wedding. And so get there plenty plenty of time ahead. By the way. That wedding venue, holy crap. The Tribeca rooftop, one of the most scenic and beautiful vistas that you could possibly imagine right at sunset. I gotta send you a couple of pictures because this I mean it overlooked it overlooked the main skyline of New York City. You had you had the One World Tower and you had all the other, you know, Empire State Battle and stuff like that all within the vista as people were taking photos and things like that and it was 
right as the sun was setting. So there was this perfect glow that was coming across there. And it was, and that, and that was the one that was both a, a Christian and Muslim wedding. So I did the wedding first, and then the imam did the wedding after. And so we ended up sticking around. They had so much fucking alcohol, by the way, at, at this place. Uh, <laughs> they, they were walking around, which I had never heard of this before. So they had vodka shots with, like, uh, little, like, uh, chaser things of, um, like, pate or something it, it was like a, a bunch of flavorful ingredients on this little triangle bread breadcrumb and so you're supposed to take the shot and then eat the little pate and I, I i i don't know what it was but you take the shot of vodka and then you eat the duck i think that's what pate okay. is pate duck okay okay so you have the vodka with the pate and it was delicious. It, 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 yeah, it actually really was very tasty. Uh, I probably shouldn't have done that as somebody who is in collar. Uh, but immediately after I did that, there was somebody who was sitting on the table right next to me who came over and saw me do that. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm so I'm so grateful to meet you. I'm glad that you're a fun minister. I I really appreciate you. You know, being here. This was this was an incredible service. Let me shake your hand, kind of thing. I was like, uh, okay, all right, cool. Um, oopsies. Because <laughs> that's not... He was pumped to see a, a minister divide. take a shot of vodka. No, it was... No, legit. Because all three of them, there were three that's of them That's what he was excited table. about, yeah. They, they ended up turning over and looking at me because th- this is a very fine establishment. They had bodyguards at the at the front of the door. Like, they had they had people... They, they actually had those, like, sticky, sticky things on these glass doors of... Um, it was Amanda and Michael's wedding or something like that. And they had two bodyguards standing there so that no one could enter unless, you know, permitted, so to speak. And, uh, so I, oh, here, here was, here was the frustrating part is that, uh, Zachary and I end up, you know, doing that. And I'm just like, okay, I I think, I think we should call him tonight. That was, that was enough fun. Uh, we end up leaving. And then I realize, oh my God, the couple did not pay me. They they didn't give me a check. They didn't do anything. And Father Joe... You don't do that ahead of time? His... So, normally what it is, is ahead of... Like, they can either do it ahead of time on PayPal, or at the wedding, they give me a check. And normally there's a tip included, or cash, or whatever the case is. And I asked ahead of time... Uh, oh, does does somebody have the the check? Oh yeah, no, we we have the check or whatever. And so it totally slipped my mind afterwards that I hadn't gotten the check. And so as I'm getting ready to leave, both Zachary and I walk out of the building, and I stop and I think, okay, so Father Joe is already upset at me about screwing up some stuff at the wedding like six hours beforehand. I got a uh, oh no, I didn't I didn't get the. Ch- check oh my god i didn't get the check uh and so i was like okay zachary because he lives in brooklyn so he he lived in new york anyway i was like okay you get home like do your thing uh i have to go back in and so i have to go back by the bodyguard again it's like uh, i i'm so sorry uh, uh and i had my bag full of uh religious paraphernalia and i was like uh, i'm so sorry i said like, oh no no problem can i leave this here leave it there end up going up and at this point the cocktail hour is coming to a close and they're moving to the dinner area and i end up going in talking to one of the bridesmaids like uh have you seen the bride or groom anywhere i i need to talk to them really quick it's kind of important and uh they're like oh we uh we don't know where she is and then suddenly the bride appears and i'm like oh for crying out loud i didn't want to have to talk to the bride like that god damn it so i end up Dude, going you want to talk to the, to the groom or one of the parents? Well, it's yeah, or or so, or somebody who would have had the check, like or or the payment, or but whatever. not the bride, right? Okay. The, the yeah, I mean, like you you gotta respect the the, sa- the sacredness of of the bride's. Excuse moment, right? me, I need some money. Oh, uh, that is actually uh... <laughs> kind of how it turned out, and it was the most uncomfortable thing. I'm like. Um, so, uh, there, was there a check? And she's like, oh, I thought somebody gave you a check. I like, no, uh, no one, n- no one gave me the check. It's like, uh, oh, that's right. There is no check. Um, oh, can I, can I pay you tomorrow? 
oh, you can, you can, you can trust me. I'll, I'll pay you tomorrow. And I did trust her. Like I, I genuinely believe that, but I had already, I had already screwed the pooch once, uh, today. And I was not like, I don't know if, if I had not messed up at Joe's wedding earlier in the day, I probably would have said, okay, that's fine. And I'm going to hound you afterwards. Uh, but yeah. So I was like, ah, you know, I'm sorry. I, I would, I would, I really want to. Um, but my boss is not going to be very happy. Um, if I, if I don't have that. And so she had to go find her maid of honor who had her purse, get out her phone and PayPal me, uh, PayPal the church, the money. Uh, and it was pretty crazy day, pretty crazy day. Well, that concludes things for this episode of Stream of Thought. Until next time.